I sure appreciate the opportunity to be here today, and I want to thank you again for your church's support over all these years. You've made a tremendous difference in our ministry, and uh, I uh, know God is going to continue to bless your church. It's been very encouraging to me. I was talking to one of the men this morning, and, and I said, you know, it's so obvious when you're in a church that loves missions. Uh, I, I just have to be very frank with you. You're in some churches that do missions out of obligations. They've had an obligation to do it because they've done it in the past, but their heart is not there. And it's so obvious when you come to this church that you do it because you love missions. And I want to thank you for that. It makes all the difference in the world. Today, I'd like you to turn your Bibles, if you would, uh, to Mark chapter 6, verse 34, the passage that was read. And we're going to talk about being reasonable. You know, I don't know about you, but that is something that has been said to me off and on for many years. Be reasonable. When I was a young man, and I, I really related to the kids, I didn't grow up in a, a home, but I... I know what it's like. My dad was an alcoholic. I only knew my dad was an alcoholic. He died as an alcoholic. But I did have a loving mother. But growing up in that home and being used to the abuse, all I ever wanted to do was get out of that situation. I knew my dad had a rotten life because he was always drunk. And I thought, well, the only way you can ever be happy is to make money, to get things And I felt like if I got a lot of things in life, then I would be happy. So I started working hard. Uh, As a young man, I had a couple of different jobs. And then uh, when I was 17, I met this girl. And um, she had started working at our company. And uh, she's quite attractive. I like that about her. And I uh, talked to her that day, and I said, hey, you know, I'm getting off in an hour here. You know, would you like to go out afterwards? And she said, well, what church do you go to? The dreaded church question. And I said, you know, I have been looking for a good church to go to. <laughs> See, I'm not as dumb as I look. And she said, well, I go to Hallmark Baptist. Why don't you come with me? That was Fort Worth, Texas. And I said, oh, I'd love to. When? Next Sunday. Oh, they meet then? Okay, great. I'll go next Sunday with you. And uh, she said, she probably got the clue. I didn't know what I was talking about then. But anyway, I said, well, hey, you want to go out? And she said, yeah, we'll go out. So, so from that day, I dated Pamela for a year. For that year, I went to church every Sunday morning with her and her mother, and I hated it. Oh, I hated it. It was terrible. You know, I just, I didn't pay attention to a single word said. I couldn't talk to my girlfriend because her mother sat beside us. It was terrible. And, and, and you just, you didn't, I didn't listen to anything, so I wasn't going to grow. So a year later, we got married, went on a honeymoon, came back from the honeymoon. I told Pamela, I said, you know, babe, I appreciate the fact that you go to church, and that is a good thing. 
trying to set her up here. And then I said, one day we're going to have kids. And you're going to be able to take them to church and they're going to learn all about God. And that's, that's awesome. But I'm the breadwinner in the family. And so I'm not going to go to church anymore, but I'm going to make a good living. And you go to church every Sunday, and that is great. And she looked at me, and she said, oh, you think so? You're going to church. And I said, yes, ma'am. So I went to church with Pamela for eight years. My company took off, and um, we got everything we ever wanted, you know, money-wise, houses, cars, everything. But after the end of eight years, I couldn't understand. I knew I had a great wife. I had our first son, and I wasn't happy, and I didn't understand why. And so I would wake up every morning and say, there's got to be more to life than this. And one morning I woke up and I said, okay, God, if you're real, I'm going to give you one shot. I was very generous. I'm going to go to church next Sunday, and for the first time in eight years, I'm going to pay attention to what's being said. I went to church that morning, and Pamela had a Bible. You know, I didn't carry a Bible around. I wasn't a fanatic. And so uh, she... She uh, had her Bible, and I reached over and grabbed it when the preacher said, turn your Bible to this passage, and I I started fumbling through it. And I said, how are you supposed to find that in all this? She said, oh, you idiot. And so she turned over in the Bible and showed me where we were. And I listened to the message, and God grabbed my heart. I went back with her that night, which was a shock for her. I never went Sunday night following Wednesday, and then the following week gave my life to Christ. Six months later, we went to Bible college, and then from Bible college to the mission field. You know what response I got from people that I I knew, people that my employees, when I told them, I'm selling the company, we're going to Bible college, we're going to be missionaries, what I... It was the same response I got from my relatives, my friends, everybody I told. They said, what is wrong with you? Be be reasonable. I mean, think about what you're doing. That makes no sense. You need to stay here. If you want to go to church, go to church. But don't go to the mission field. That makes no sense at all. That, that is stupid. And what the world tries to teach us is that same principle. What you're doing here this morning does not make sense. What your pastor is doing makes absolutely no sense. He's trying to build a ministry in this city, has a school, has buildings, has light bills. Why does he care about The children's home. Why does he care about missions around the world? Why does he care about manna? It it makes no sense. It only comes into play when you look at the word of God. And you understand 
God wants to do remarkable things in your life if you'll just let him. If you won't let people talk you out of doing things that make no sense. Don't tithe. That makes no sense. Don't give to missions. That makes no sense. You've got to be reasonable and do what everybody else is doing around you. In this chapter of Mark chapter 6, we see some distinctions that set Christians apart or that should. Jesus was out with his disciples and they had been ministering to people all over that part of the world. And they, they had the opportunity that day to share the gospel with over 5,000 men. No telling how many women and children were there. But when they got to this location, by the way, no one was supposed to be there. They were taking what we would call was a retreat. They were getting away from it all just to relax. And when they got there... There's a huge crowd. It could have been 15, 25,000 people just waiting to hear the word of God. Now, what took place next was what was remarkable. And that was Christ didn't take the obvious way out. The disciples wanted to, but they knew they were with Christ. They couldn't act like what they felt on the inside. They couldn't say, at least in the beginning, what they thought was reasonable. Because when, as soon as they got there, Christ looked at the multitude in verse 34, and what does it say? He had compassion toward them because they were as sheep having no shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Christ should have got there that day and said, there are too many people here. We're trying to relax. We don't have any money. We have very little food. They need to go home. But Christ saw opportunities. And let me tell you, number one, if you're going to be used by God in miraculous ways, you're going to have to look at situations that may not seem like they're tenable to where what spot you're in. You may say, well, wait, I don't have money, extra money to give to missions. It's all I can do to tithe. And you know, I don't even tithe all the time because, man, God understands I have a hard job and I don't have a lot of pay. I've got a big family. I've got bills to pay. We always want to make excuses why God's not able to bless us. Why God can't pour out his blessings in a miraculous way upon us, and we try to to get around God's will in our life. If the Lord would have been practical, practical, would have been reasonable, he would have said, make these people go home, and I will deal with them later on when we have more time, when we have more money, when we have more food. If you're going to be used by Christ in a mighty, mighty way, you've got to quit looking at obstacles and start thinking, God's got a great purpose for me. God wants to use me in a miraculous way. God wants to stretch me. 
There are so many times in my life to this day that God continues to stretch me. Man, uh, right now, there's 140 projects around the world. We're feeding, I think it's 18,000 children every day, giving them the word of God, giving them a place to go to church. And you would think, boy, Bruce, God's done some great things, man. You must have tremendous faith. Let me be honest. There are still times, and there will always be times, when I start to think, Maybe we ought to hold back just a little. Maybe there are too many people coming. Maybe there's not enough money. I was in the Ukraine not too long ago, and we were looking for a a new place to start an orphanage there. We have a great church there, but there are kids all over the street needing a home, living on the street in gutters and terrible situations. And so we felt like we got to start a, a new orphanage there. So we went there to look, and everything was outrageous. Everything was four and $500,000 for ratty little buildings. I mean, that were just in terrible shape. And after a week of looking through all these things, I was just like, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should wait. And a missionary said, hey, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. He's got this big house convention center he's building. Okay, let's, let's go meet him. He's, he's a great guy. He's a dentist. He came from America. He's setting up a conference center here. And so we went out, and this guy had built this huge shell. Didn't have anything on the inside of it yet. But it was on a big piece of land, great location, huge building. And he was taking us through this building saying, you know, what I want to do is conferences here. And I want to help people. And I want to minister to them. But, you know, the uh, problem is I've, I've really run out of money. And I've quit building. And my wife and I are even thinking about going back states. But, uh, you know, we're just not sure what to do right now. And, and he showing us this huge facility. I was with a pastor, a friend of mine. He was about 75 years old. Anybody older than me, I feel good about. He was older than I was. Um, and, and Bob and I walked around with this guy, and there was three or four other pastors and, with me. And, and then Bob pulled me aside and said, You know, Bruce, you ought to ask him to give you this building. And I looked at Bob in a sweet way and said, are you an idiot? I said, Bob, he's not going to give us this building. We've been looking this week. This building, even though it was a shell, was valued at $1.3 million. He's not going to give us this building. Well, I don't know. I just think you ought to do it. I'm not doing it, Bob. Forget it. You know, that's unreasonable doesn't make sense it is not going to happen so we we continued around with this missionary ways one missionary but this guy for about another hour and a half and you know how god begins to work on your heart and i start remembering some of my sermons about asking god for great things and starts convicting me and god starts really saying why don't you ask him and so End of the day, I went to Roger and said, Hey, Roger, 
I want you to pray about something. I want you to pray about giving us this building that we can start an orphanage in it. And Roger looked at me and said, are you crazy? <laughs> said, do you know how much money I've got in this place? And I said, I, I know it. I know it doesn't make sense. But I just ask you to pray about it. Long story short, within three months, we had that building. God gave it to us. And now there are orphans in that building. It's been finished. God's done some incredible things there in the Ukraine. And God continues to work. But here's the point. Christ went and he had compassion, verse 34. He saw the need. Now, look at verse 35 before we get to that point. It says, when the day was past, the disciples came to him and they said what? This is a desolate place. And listen, we're out of time. So they're saying, what must we do? They have an answer for the Lord. What do you want to do? Their answer is, let's send them away. Let's get rid of these people. That they can go and get their own food if they have the money to do it. That we'll get rid of these people here. Our life will be simpler. And then folks, Christ sees opportunity because he has compassion. We see, if we're not careful, obstacles. We see things that cannot be overcome. And and we give God all the reasons why we shouldn't be involved. Some of you need to be saying, I'm going to go to that orphanage, Hope, and I'm going to help more. I'm going to give more. Some of you others need to say, you know, I'm going to help our brother here to Nicaragua. Some of you others, you may need to do something with manna, whatever the case is. Allow God to stretch you. Don't pull back because you're afraid. The disciples said, wait a minute, let's be reasonable. The sun's going down. There's no food around here to eat. we got to be reasonable. So they form a committee. They come to Christ and they say, send them away. That they can go get their own food. If you're not careful, you'll make excuses why you can't tithe. Why you can't give to missions. Why you can't serve in that Sunday school class, why you can't witness to your neighbor, why you can't give your life to full-time Christian service. I fought that one. God wants to stretch you to do amazing things that you can never dream of. When we started manna, it was a scary thing for me. I thought people were going to think that I've lost it. I've been a missionary for 17 years, and, and now here I'm talking about starting churches and feeding programs and orphanages around the world. People are going to wonder, you know, have you gone off in that social gospel thing? They're going to ask me strange questions. They're going to say, why aren't you a missionary to the Philippines anymore? It was scary. And I fought God for about four years on the mission field Telling him why I couldn't start manna. And finally, 
when God just kept convicting me about it and kept convicting Pamela, my wife, about it, I went to her and said, Babe, you know we need to do this. We need to start this organization. And she said, she said, if we leave the Philippines, we're never going to be as happy again. Because our heart was there in the Philippines. And I said, babe, I said, I don't think we'll ever be as happy again either. You know, my faith is small. But I said, God wants us to start this. We got to do it. And we did. And six months later after we started Manna, God just blessed it in such ways I can't explain. I told Pamela, I said, boy, were we ever wrong. I've never been happier in my whole life than I am now. She said, yeah, that's right. You see, when others are telling you to send them away, don't get involved. Don't be stretched. Be comfortable in your lifestyle. Do things your neighbors are doing, your friends are doing. When others are saying, be the same. God is saying, step out. Step out. One of the reasons it's so hard to reach Japanese for the Lord is they've got a saying. And their saying goes this way. It says that nail that stands up shall be hammered down. What does that mean? Do what everybody else is doing. In other words, don't trust God. Trust the community. We don't say that because we're Americans. We, we say we're individuals and we, we do our own thing. But I'm telling you, many times we act like the disciples. Send them away. Christ asked them one question. How many loaves do you have? How many fishes? Now, they didn't like that question. They had to look. And remember the little boy gave him five loaves and two fishes? That's all they had. The Lord wasn't asking for a tithe. He wasn't asking for, for a donation for missions. The Lord was saying, give everything you've got for us to eat to the people. Their solution was to send them away. God's solution was... Allow me to do something miraculous. I'm telling you this morning, when is the last time you've allowed God to do something miraculous in your life? Have you been safe and been like the disciples and said, send them away? Or have you been like Christ and said, let's do something Amazing that only God can do. Those men were sitting there with their entire belongings and five loaves and two fishes, and God said, Give it away. Give it away. God doesn't usually ask us to do that kind of sacrifice, He asks us for smaller things to stretch our faith. And I don't know about you, but it's uncomfortable. God still to this day, and I pray he always will, he continues to stretch my faith.
And let me tell you, he continues to scare me from time to time. More times than I'd like to admit. Challenges me to trust him. So those men had to give their all, 100% of what they had. And you know the rest of the story. That crowd, the entire crowd was fed that day with five loaves and two fishes. God blessed in miraculous ways. I could ask these missionaries here today, I could tell you personal stories all morning long about how I've seen God bless in miraculous ways. But it's not when I held back. It's when I went forward and said, okay, God, I'll take that chance. What I'd like to ask you this morning is simply this. When's the last time you trusted God for something amazing? When's the last time you said, Lord, this is scary, but I want to go forward. I don't want to retreat. I don't want to be like someone else and just stay here, but I want to go forward. When is the last time you've done that? Can I challenge you this morning by the word of God to say, step out. Step out into the deep water and allow God to use you in a miraculous way. So you can see the hand of God, the hand of God work in your life. The Bible tells us that Paul and Barnabas, they were used in great ways because they had the hand of God in their life. What are you doing to have the hand of God in your life? Today may be the day that you've held back and said, I'm not sure even about my salvation. I'm not sure I've really given my life to Christ. What's holding you back? God wants to use you in a powerful way. God wants you to come forward and trust him. Today may be the day once again that you've held back and said, Lord, I've been timid. I've been shy. I've been going along. Listen, pray this prayer today. God, cast a vision in my life. Give me something, even the scary stuff. Lord, show me and help me have the faith to go forward and do it. Would you do that this morning? With everyone standing, would you please stand with me? And would you bow your heads this morning, close your eyes, and I just want to ask you one or two simple questions. This morning... This last year, have you allowed God to challenge you in a great way? If not, how many would be willing to say, with no one looking around, Brother Bruce, I want God to challenge me. I want to go forward for the cause of Christ. I want to see some great things accomplished for the cause of Christ. Would you pray for me? that I would do that today. Would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me? Yes, 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 all over. Praise God. Yes, in the balcony. God bless you. 
Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. God bless you. Some others here this morning to say, Brother Bruce, I want to take that first step, that first challenge, and that is to admit that I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Admit that I'm not sure I'm a child of God. And today I want to take that challenge. Would you just pray for me? I won't point you out. I just want to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up? Say, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven if I die. Yes, yes, yes. Yes in the back. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God bless you. Listen to me very carefully. If you're not sure, if you're not sure that you're going to spend your eternity in heaven, if you're not sure where you're going when you die, today is the day you need to come forward and ask Christ into your heart. God did it for me. He can do it for any of us. Give him that opportunity. And Christian, listen. So many of you raised your hand. Won't you make this the day that you commit, that you commit to listen to God, asking God to show you what he wants you to do. You'll say, Lord, I'll commit to that. I want you to show me, and I want to go forward. I want you to show me what you can do in my life. Would you make that commitment today? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for what you've done. God, I just pray today for the many that raised their hand about salvation. Let them have the courage to do that today, to accept you. And Lord, for those here that said they want the challenge, they want you to show them some great things, and they want to go forward to glorify you, Lord, I pray today that they would make that decision and carry through with it. And we'll give you the praise and honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. For those of you who perhaps today are not sure that you have forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life, we have good news. The good news is the gospel. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And if you will trust him, if you will accept him as your Savior, the Bible says we will pass from death into life. I'm going to extend this invitation. As we conclude our service this morning, if you would like to talk to us about your own personal relationship with the Lord, I'll remain down here, and I will ask you to come. We will discuss this, and by the grace of God, show you from his word what it is to put your faith and trust in Christ as your Savior. If any of you have issues that you would like to deal with concerning the Lord's direction in your life, I know that any of our missionaries would be delighted to speak with you about that, and we certainly want to do everything we can to encourage you. For some of you, it might be a small step. This may be the first time you've really taken a little step. Then then do it. And for some, it might be a life-changing decision. It may mean going to a field. It may mean giving yourself. I want to thank the Lord for what he has done for us here today and for our guests who have opened up the word of God and have shared testimonies and shared their vision. And I trust that you will be part of the remainder of this week as we continue to go forward in our missions conference. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Glorify yourself through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. 
Amen.